I'm Claire. And I'm Liz. And this is The Balancing Act, a podcast where we talk about law, life, and everything in between. Okay, welcome back. We are concluding with our Do I Need a Lawyer series, and we're talking about adoption this time. So we've talked about family law, we've talked about estate planning, we've talked about probate, estate administration, and now we are talking about adoption with Liz. Oh, yeah. So, Liz, can you explain what is adoption and isn't adoption family law or or is it different? Tell, tell us tell us kind of what, what adoption is. Well, that is a great question as to whether or not it's family law. Yes and no. And it actually, um, on some level, I think depends on which court you file it in, what little stamp you're going to get or like case designator you're going to get on your file. But I, to me, I consider it family law because it's about families, but not every family law practitioner does practice adoption law or maybe they only practice certain kinds of adoption law. And that's true for me. So there's, you know, domestic adoption, which is within the United States. There's international adoption, um, step-parent or second-parent adoption. Second-parent adoption would typically be a same-sex couple and the parent who um, did not birth the child, we'll say, um, would be adopting. So that way there's a clear record that they are, in fact, the parent, especially with any sort of um, questions about, you know, will the Supreme Court overrule certain areas of law, that sort of thing. Um, So that's why someone might do a second parent adoption because of the uncertainty, like from state to state and all that fun stuff. Um, There's also foster care adoption. And then there also is adult adoption. An adult adoption I've typically seen happen as generally a step-parent adoption, but once the child who is going to be adopted has turned 18 or is older than 18, and they've decided on their own that they'd like the step-parent to be their, you know, legal parent, or maybe it was difficult to get the biological or genetic parent to sign off on step-parent adoption. And so once someone, you know, is over the age of, or once they reach adulthood, um, you no longer need to get that biological parent to sign off. So that would commonly be why adult adoption happens. I'm sure there's other reasons as well. That was a long-winded answer. But that was really helpful to know that, like, there's all these different kinds of adoption, right? Because I think a lot of times people only think about, like, a private Mm-hmm. Um, domestic or international adoption, like as, as a baby. Yes. Um, or maybe they also know about like the foster care system with, with babies or older kids, but they don't necessarily think about the step parent, second parent, or even, a, or even maybe knew that adult adoption was even an option. So is this something that people can do themselves? Do you um, need, do you need uh, to work with a professional? Yes and no. So maybe if you're going through like an adoption agency on a domestic or international adoption, the agency is going to kind of help get everything through, at least in my experience, through like 
we'll say the system, meaning the county. And usually they would tell you, you need to finalize this adoption in court and they'll kind of sometimes help you with it. Um, And by help you, I mean, they're going to help you DIY it. And I would say that in that case, if you read the forms very carefully, you might be okay. But Um, step parent adoption is also something where the forms are available online. And so in theory, you could also do it yourself as long as it's an uncontested step parent adoption, which would mean the biological parent who is giving up their rights is willing and does sign off on the adoption. Sure, because they're like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Or, hey, I don't have to pay child support anymore or whatever yeah. the case may be. Yep. They might they might agree to someone else being becoming the legal parent. But let's note that when a step-parent adoption happens and a parent who owes arrears and child support does consent, that doesn't necessarily mean the arrears go away. It obviously is case and state specific, but sometimes there's extra work that would need to be done to disappear child support arrears, for example. Oh, good, good technical point there for anyone who might be thinking uh, that's an easy way to get rid of a get rid of a debt by just signing off on a form. Yep. Can be disappointing. So I think you Well, or good to know it, you know, before you go into it rather than making an assumption. Yep. So I think you kind of already answered how would a person do this themselves, but are are there parts that, that people can do themselves? So like I said, you know, like for example, a straightforward uncontested step parent adoption, you technically could do it yourself. All the forms, you know, at least in Minnesota are available online. However, it's honestly a pretty big process and just like, I don't know, kind of not like, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but it can be kind of a pain just because it's like, there's so many different forms and there's, it feels like sometimes it even as an attorney, I'm like, ah, it feels like this is never done because, you know, a certain form has to be in a certain time. Then you have to wait on the court for X, Y, Z, and then there's more waiting. I think that it could be actually kind of overwhelming if you're doing it on your own. And then in the case of like through an adoption agency, I think that the adoption agency where we adopted our kids through did not have an attorney but they did provide us with Miller Davis printed out adoption forms. Are you familiar with what that is, Claire? Oh, that's super old school. It is super old school. It was like, cause like they had been like hyping it up in my mind, like this whole time, like, yeah, and then you'll get to the point of the adoption. We'll help you with adoption papers. And in my mind, I thought, oh, someone's going to like, you know, help me meaning like type them out for me. Nope. It was like, here's a Xerox copy of Miller Davis forms. Go to it. (laughs) What is this? 1985? Right. I know. So what would you say to someone who wants to do this themselves? Well, first of all, like if it's a private adoption, I personally don't represent people on private adoptions because I just, don't have the technical skills and I think it's quite costly. And so I say go through 
an agency, right? And if you need someone once you're at the point of actually doing the court work to finalize, I can help with that. But if someone's wanting it to do, you know, do it themselves, even when you're going through an agency, you need to be really careful, honestly. You know, the agency will hand you those papers. And I'm just thinking I had, you know, at one point I helped people fix an adoption. They had done all the paperwork themselves, but they didn't understand and were not provided with guidance on how to fill out the information, um, like the name of the child. And so they did it wrong. And then years later, their kiddo wanted to go like on a spring break trip or something, you know, in high school and went to apply for a passport and they couldn't get a passport because the adoption paperwork didn't really finalize the adoption of the person being adopted, if that makes sense. Oh, no. Like it could have been, it could have been like an immigration issue even, um, which I believe has happened. I was just going to say, it seems to me that, you know, it could be that that certain types of adoption might be more DIY friendly than others, because I would think that international adoptions, you'd also be wanting to be talking with an immigration attorney or working with an immigration attorney to make sure all all visas and and citizenship and all of that is taken care of. Yep. A hundred percent. I mean, honestly... I, if I were someone who is adopting internationally or domestically, even if I did, you know, go through an agency, when it came time to fill out the papers, I would hire a reputable adoption attorney, not just someone who's like, oh, I practice family law and totally do adoption on the side, except for this is my first case ever, because you know that there are people like that who exist. But I would just hire them even, you know, for a small fee to look over the papers and at least make sure that you did them correctly. Because this, I mean, luckily, I was able to help these people resolve the issue. But that could have gone another way. And it would not have been good. You know, like that kiddo, I suppose, could have been able to not get a passport. And technically, maybe, you know, I heard about some people maybe being deported, right? During the last administration. I think absolutely, you want to, you want to be really careful with that. So what would you say are are the consequences um, of people doing this themselves other than kind of the citizenship or name issues that we just talked about? Are there any other consequences? So if you're adopting from the foster care system, a lot of times when they terminate the rights of like a biological parent, Either it's a voluntary or involuntary. If it's a voluntary termination, sometimes like it's dangled as a carrot for that biological parent that they'll at least be able to have contact once the adoption goes through. And so if you aren't represented by an attorney at that point, or at least have an attorney look, um, you could end up signing like a contact agreement that really isn't in your kid's best interest. And that could cause drama down the road. Um, I'm not saying that contact agreements are always bad. It's just that you want it to be something that makes sense for the kid, right? And that's in their best interest. Um, Also, through foster care adoption, there is adoption assistance available. For example, the child can receive medical assistance. If they have special needs, they can receive like a stipend. The county who you're, you know, where you're adopting the kid through, it's in their best interest to not be very generous 
with those or to like downplay some of the possible special needs. And the adoption agencies honestly aren't the best at helping to make sure that those bases are covered either. And so you could end up basically, you know, adopting a child who has significant needs and not having um, the resources to help take care of them um, when under the law you should have been entitled to that. Also, another thing that can go wrong is just the normal thing that can go wrong probably in any court case. If you don't file it right, your case can be rejected or your filing can be rejected, um, you know, because you didn't do something right. And then honestly, it's confusing. Like you get like a, oh, what's it called? Like a a deficiency notice, you know, saying you didn't file yeah. this right, you need to fix this. And that, I mean, it's not yeah. very fun getting one as an attorney. So I'm pretty sure getting one as a pro se person isn't great either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So bottom line, do people need an attorney for an adoption? In my opinion, yes. However, the kind of representation you need could vary. So you could get by with like a consultation or an unbundled type service, but you should have an attorney at least review paperwork before you sign and file it. So yes. <laughs> I, I agree. I I practice family law. And even with that knowledge base, adoption is foreign enough to me that if I ever went through an adoption, I would hire Liz <laughs> or another adoption attorney if Liz said no, but <laughs> it's, I think an important enough major thing that you want to make sure all, all T's are crossed and I's are dotted. I agree. 